Hello and welcome back to another episode of Able's Abstracts, the podcast where we abstract away the complexity of building products for the next generation of the web. My name is Abel Tedros and I'll be your host today as we dive into today's episode. So today I'm very excited to have my good friend Bryce on the show for another DeFi Weekly Catch-Up. Bryce, thank you for coming on the show. Hi everyone, I'm thrilled to be around as always. Awesome, awesome. And it's a pleasure to have you on board. So thank you so much for coming along. Great. So we have a set of topics today that we're going to discuss, all of which are incredibly exciting because it is an insane week in crypto as always. So first topic we're going to talk about is Aave. I mean, how can we not? Aave has been growing tremendously in the five months of its existence. You know, it's gone up to about $61 million in market size. And that's just insane to even come out of my mouth <laughs> in the short period of time that it's been around. And then we're going to talk about Gas Token, uh, what it is, our thoughts around it, why it's interesting, because it's, I think, a really important mechanism in the crypto slash DeFi ecosystem. And then finally, we're going to top this one off with all the DeFi discussions and debates that happened, I guess, last week around DeFi discussions, Ready Layer One, Ethereal Summit. Uh, then we're going to wrap up with the closing thoughts around a few different things. Bryce has an interesting event coming up in the next couple of days. In fact, it's tomorrow that you guys are going to be able to join. So, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about all of those interesting things. Cool. So you ready to crack into this one, Bryce? Amazing. Yes, definitely. Especially when we start with RV. There's so much to say here. So, yeah, as you were saying, the protocol has definitely been like, one of the fastest to grow in the whole DeFi space. I, I haven't run the math, but potentially the fastest ever. Uh, and, and and why we're talking about this is because I think there is no magic behind it. I mean, there is a lot of magic in Ivy, definitely. But, you know, it's no magic that they are this successful. I think there are a lot of like very good reasons why it's working so well and it, it's worth for us to kind of explore them. So you want to kick this off? Yeah, happy to. So as you mentioned, it is a very fast growing protocol. So just to put some numbers around that, the total value locked into the protocol has 5x in the last three months. And the protocol launched in January. So that is about five months ago. And to date, uh, as we record this, 61,723,539 US dollars in the system. Now that's insane. That is absolutely insane. And I think that just shows that this team is a team that is pushing forward, moving at an incredible pace and, you know, pioneering in the DeFi ecosystem. So this sounds interesting, uh, very kind of fascinating. But for the folks who don't know what Aave is, let's back up a second and do maybe a quick breakdown. So Aave and why it's interesting. So Aave, Aave is a protocol for earning interest on your deposits and borrowing assets. It also allows developers to integrate flash loans into their products. And essentially, if you don't know what a flash loan is, a flash loan is essentially a loan that you get that's valid for one transaction, uh, but you must borrow and pay back that money in that same transaction. So it's atomic. You either succeed or you fail. Now, that's what Aave is. And I guess we can talk more about that, but Bryce, you want to tell us a bit more about the new and interesting things that have come up in the past week? Yeah, definitely. So uh, Avi has been announcing quite a few things lately, uh, and uh, I think that yeah, it's really hard to like, kind of prioritize. So let's say the, the, the big two topics are essentially 
first, they are looking at uh, new collateral types to add, and they have some very interesting thoughts and, and uh, ideas there. So we're going to discuss this a little more. Uh, and then there are um, some improvement uh, planned for the LEND token to essentially become uh, a bit more integrated with the system. So yeah, I, I guess one thing I really want to stress because it's in, it's really interesting for me and to just like kind of better understand DeFi is those new collaterals. Uh, so Avi mentioned, teased actually, two collaterals that got the whole DeFi scene on fire, which are the ability to use a Uniswap liquidity pool token as a collateral or a token set. So just to like, in case you're not familiar with those two. So what we mean by Uniswap liquidity pool token is that essentially Uniswap is a decentralized exchange where you can provide liquidity. Uh, and when you do so, you get a token that represent, you know, the liquidity you're providing. And well, now you're going to be able to use that token to open a position from here. So extremely interesting. Uh, and token sets, uh, so the very short version of token sets is that sets are essentially automated trading strategies enforced by smart contracts. And now you're also going to be able to use those sets as collateral. So just kind of let that sink in. You're going to be able to open a position using an automated trading strategies enforced by the Ethereum network as your collateral. Money legos all over again. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And just to kind of add another kind of flavor to this topic, the all of this will be insured by the protocol's native token, which is Lend, and it will have a backstop of a bunch of stable coins, Dai and USDC. And this is kind of what they announced in the in the Ethereal Summit. So yeah, I agree, Bryce. This is all super interesting. Um, Another thing that I think it's worth mentioning is that they're opening up a new governance pa uh, paper where they talk a bit more about the Lend token and how it's going to be more involved in the system. So the Lend token will be staked for both governance rights and uh, as an insurance buffer on, on borrowed positions on the, in case the system breaks or faults. And you might be thinking like, why would anyone do that? Well, as these systems grow, you can own these tokens and they have governance rights, but then they also, you know, are used as backstops, but then they also include protocol fees right so there are fees associated to using the the actual protocol itself and you know Aave will be funneling those fee the protocol fees to back to the lend token so um, it's going to be an asset where you can hold it you can govern the token um, but then you can also earn some income as being part of the network which i think is pretty cool yeah it, it's really interesting where they're going with lend and uh yeah definitely i agree with you any step that you know add more uh check guards and, and balance and, and, and essentially, yeah, uh, you know, it's a bit like the, the TLDR of emergency mechanism. You don't know you need them until you need them. So I'm glad to see them, you know, not waiting for the fire to start making sure they have a source of water nearby. Exactly. Really, really good way to put it. So that's the news for Ave. I think Ave is a fantastic project and, you know, we're huge fans of it. We love the team. We love the project. We love the way that they're progressing forward with this. In fact, we have a secret announcement that we'll be announcing with Ave pretty soon, which I'm incredibly excited about to announce to you guys, but obviously can't say too much as of yet. But yeah, that's the news about Ave. We think they're doing really, really good stuff. And so, yeah, maybe we can jump into the next topic that we have on our uh, list, Bryce. If I if I may, just before we wrap this up on on, on Avi, uh, just to like dive into those, this token set as collateral, because to me it's really the most interesting. 
because I think it kind of um, make, makes apparent a notion that is a bit overlooked when it comes to collateral, because usually people for, for collateral on DeFi service, we look for liquidity. And indeed, that's definitely a requirement. You need at least a decent amount of liquidity so you can get in and out of that collateral and use it as a collateral. But uh, I think there's also another one to consider, which uh, I'm not sure if that's a proper term here. Sorry, I don't have a financial training, but I call this the price inertia. And essentially what I mean by that is how fast is the price moving? Because quite obviously, when you're op opening uh, a position, so you're using a token as a collateral, ideally, you want this token to not move very fast because if it pumps or dumps 30% in a day, you might find yourself liquidated quite fast. And so the very interesting dimension when you bring this back to token sets is token sets are automated trading strategies. Essentially, you have an asset that is, it's a bit of a short version to say, but roughly tracking the price of the base asset. It's an automated strategy, so that's not exactly accurate, but roughly tracking it. But now, not only it does track it, but most of the time, or quite often, it would be split between some share of stablecoin and the actual asset. So you could almost argue that the price inertia of a token set could be even greater than the base asset it's tracking. And that's like kind of mind-blowing if you think about it. Mm. Interesting, interesting. So essentially the point you're making is that by accepting token sets as, as collateral and those token sets essentially having DAI, USDC and other forms of stablecoins in their actual sets, by accepting token sets as a form of collateral, then therefore you're allowing for a more stable form of collateral? Is that is that what I'm reading or am I misinterpreting this? Yeah, definitely. So that, that's one dimension to it is, yeah, it can potentially be a more stable collateral, but also just a much more interesting collateral than just uh, using the raw Bitcoin or ETH in terms of, you know, because it's a, a, a collateral that can potentially accrue in value as you use it in the collateral. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's also, yeah. So I think I kind of want to ride on that point and just say that that collateral can earn interest which i think is is really fascinating as a new idea and i think that for me is is a big reason as to why i think this is also interesting as well and why we're kind of mentioning this in in the conversation yeah i definitely agree on that point definitely yeah and just to like close the loop on this uh uh i don't know if there is such a thing in in the regular finance world where you know you can at the same time be providing liquidity to an exchange and facilitate some trade but also use that position providing liquidity to open something else so, you know, it's really like, again, that's money legals. Uh, and I think that's another very good demo of that. 100%, 100%. You don't even have to look too far into the traditional financial system to even talk about this. Let's, let's stick with the DeFi ecosystem. You know, Uniswap, when you provide liquidity to Uniswap, you're locking up your assets and, you know, you can't kind of do anything there. There's an opportunity cost, right? So when you provide liquidity to something like Uniswap, but here you know, you're able to continue to derive value from the asset while also providing liquidity to the to the Aave protocol, which, I, yeah, again, I, I can't I can't say that enough, but I think it's really cool. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, as we were saying, and like <laughs> to, to move forward, so we've spent too long on that, but they were already growing quite fast. And now that they are, you know, essentially harnessing DeFi synergies to offer more collateral that are potentially better whatever that means but at least interesting offers a new twist a new flavor this is definitely gonna have them pick even more attraction i think 
Exactly, exactly. It's very exciting times and I can't wait to see how Ave progresses forward. Pretty bullish on Ave and so yeah, we'll we'll see where things go by the end of this year. Awesome. So do you have any final thoughts on this topic before we move on to the next one? Good to go on the gas token. That's also another um, really interesting topic, I think. Uh, and, and the reason why, so we already wanted to do a shout out about this one last week. Uh, and the reason why is really because I feel it's it's really like, uh, not so many people know about gas token and I think a lot of people would gain value from knowing about it. So that's why uh, we're bringing it up. So in a very short and sweet way, um, gas token allows you to tokenize gas. <laughs> so what we mean by that is essentially making it more efficient. So I don't know if we want to go into the whole uh, details of how they achieve that, but uh, maybe you want to walk us through why would it be interesting to tokenize gas in the first place, Abel? Yeah, 100%. Um, and thank you so much, Bryce, for bringing this up as something we could talk about because I think it's super interesting. So yeah, as you mentioned, gas token is an Ethereum contract that allows you to tokenize gas on the Ethereum network. And so you can essentially store gas when it's cheap and use it when it's expensive. So to kind of paint you a picture, and I really like this example, this is from the founder or one of the founders of the project. He puts it like this. So on a Monday morning, you go into the coffee shop and you buy your morning coffee, right? Imagine, you know, I mean, we're in quarantine time, so <laughs> it's going to, be, going to be really hard to imagine this in, in, in this time, you know, going to a coffee shop and actually buying a coffee. But, you know, the times when that was possible, bring bring your mind to that place. So you're in a coffee shop, you buy your coffee, your coffee costs about three quid, uh, three pounds uh, or three dollars, wherever you are in, <laughs> in the world. Um, and then the transaction fee you pay for that for that coffee is about, let's say, 10p. And that that goes to your credit card. Right. And then say you come back to the same coffee shop the Friday morning for your next coffee run. Again, the coffee is three quid, three dollars, whatever. And when you go to pay for it, they say, wait, the transaction fee is now 12 pounds. So the transaction fee of buying the coffee is higher than the price of the coffee itself. What the hell? <laughs> you might be thinking to yourself, like, that is insane. What? How does that work? How is that even possible? Well, this sounds crazy, but this is what happens in crypto. So these are public networks. The way that these things are designed, you know, Ethereum, it's a public network, meaning everyone's using this shared resource. And so when there's congestion in the network, then you need to pay a premium to get your, your, your transactions validated. And so, you know, this is a real problem. This is a real problem. And so... The gas token is preventing that where you have the ability to accrue gas when it's low and spend it when it's high. And just to add to what you were saying, uh, because that's, I guess, the most misunderstood dimension of the gas token is it goes beyond just cost cutting or cost optimizing. Sometimes when the network is highly used, your transaction will simply not clear unless you put an absurd gas price. So, you know, uh, my point with that is when we reach the very extremes of the gas market, let's put it like that, it can become even a uh, gas token becomes an enabler. You know, it, it allows you to do the transaction in an implementation of the gas token, while another service who doesn't implement gas token won't be able to clear that transaction in the conditions of the market at the time. 100%, 100%. And when you have times where the network gets really congested, CryptoKitties, Black Thursday, all of these crazy events, 
stuff stuff like gas token is really really important and if you want to do more research on this we didn't explain too much about how this system works it's it's really fascinating again we'll put a link there but just to give a tldr it uses the storage refund mechanism built into ethereum which is essentially an incentive to you know essentially be a good citizen and you know there's storage that is valuable that costs money to have on like on chain and if you clear that storage then you essentially get a refund and you can use that to basically you can use that to to basically subsidize the uh the transaction fee i don't want to get too much into it it's it's slightly com- complicated if you don't understand how gas works yeah we could sit down and kind of break all of that down for you but um i'd recommend checking out the um uh, the the website and we'll obviously link everything up. We'll link to the video that gives a good breakdown. And so yeah, maybe just one last thing. I think it's cool. So um, we're telling you about gas token because we want you to know about you know fundamentals of the network a bit. But also I'm telling you that as a tip, if you are using a project, just ask them: Are you implementing the gas token or not? And it will give you clues whether or not you will be able to reliably use that product in period of high gas prices. So, uh, yeah, I think that's really, you know, as a user, that's a quick, easy thing you can check. And you know that, you know, people who implemented that in their project at the current stage of the development of overall of Ethereum project, they are knowledgeable people who know what they are doing. And essentially, they're smart, you know. I know it sounds a bit weird, but, you know, without quoting anybody, some companies are burning insane amount of ETH on gas. And so it gets to the point where you can question the understanding sometimes of you know transactions and how it happens 100 percent takeaway here if you're using a project and you're in touch with the team ask them are they implementing gas token and that will give you a better understanding of if in the times when there's a lot of congestion you're able to use the system and get your transactions validated exactly yeah awesome so yeah that was a, that was a good segment on the gas token i think um, would you like to jump into my favorite part, which is our content shout out of the week? And this week, as you were saying earlier, we've been blessed with uh, a lot of high quality events. So you want to walk us through them? 100%, 100%. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal week. You know, pure gold, pure gold in terms of content. Not only was the sun shining in London the whole week, which was fantastic, and but a huge smile on my face made me very grateful for a lot of different things. But the DeFi and the Web3 ecosystem has been blessed. You know, we had DeFi discussions, we had Ready Layer One, and then we also had Ethereal. There's a lot of events that happened during the, the week, but I kind of want to highlight my top three from each event. So I'm going to go through each and every event that happened and then talk about my top three favorite talks so top three talks from the DeFi discussions event which was the first one that happened security success stories from DeFi with the ceo of trail of bits again a really strong security team in the space where they kind of talk a lot about best practices and how you can implement your smart contract security and so i'd highly highly recommend having a listen to that if you have a project that is you know, building something in relation to a smart contract so that you can understand what the best practices are. People's potential and, sorry, people's potential and protocol politics. That's a lot of P's. Yeah, a lot of P's. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This one was really good. This this was kind of a laid back chill one. Uh, You had a few folks who were part of different projects and they kind of spoke a bit about some interesting topics around all of the craziness that goes on in the DeFi Web3 ecosystem. It was a very enjoyable one. I enjoyed it. So if you have the chance, definitely recommend checking it out. 
And then finally, I think we can't talk about this event or just anything in general without talking about ETH 2.0 and Prismatic Labs, which is the predominant, well, not predominant, but a big ETH 2 client in the space, gave an update on, on you know, ETH 2.0 and where things are headed. So it was a fantastic uh, set of talks there that I highly recommend for you to go check out. Amazing. Uh, I got to admit, Abel, you're almost scaring me. I kind of not want to ask how many talks you listen to this week. <laughs> How do you find the time? Uh, that's a good question. So, I mean, I I definitely had less sleep. I definitely had less sleep <laughs> this week, which was interesting. But, you know, I can't complain. It was a fantastic week. There was a lot to learn. Um, and, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. So that, that was everything I had from DeFi discussions. The next one I recommend for you guys to check out is Ready Layer One, which is an event that was put together by Near Protocol, Polkadot, Solana, and a bunch of other kind of layer, new layer one protocols. This, again, was another event just full of amazing content. Not only was the content amazing, but the actual platform they were using was actually really cool too. So just to kind of give you guys context, you had the main stage where they had their actual kind of main talks, and then you had breakout sessions that would happen after the main talks would be concluded. And then you had a networking place where folks could essentially show up and be teamed up with someone from the event just to hang out and get to know someone and then there was like you know drinks every night after the event which was fantastic i met some awesome people so yeah it was a really really good event um and i highly recommend for you to check it out oh yeah and the top three events that i recommend checking out from this particular conference is number one numero uno crypto covid19 macro uncertainty and where we are headed from Ari Paul, the CIO of Block Tower Capital. He did a really good job of explaining the current macro situation and how crypto is affected in the context of that. The next one I recommend for you to check out is Layer 1 Tokens Value Accrual. You had some really, really sharp investors. All of them came together on this really, really good panel. You had Ben Foreman, who is the founder and managing partner of Parafy Capital. Then you had Spencer Noon, who is the head of crypto investments at DTC Capital. Then you had Jesse Walden, who is previously at A16Z Startup School. Hasib Qureshi, who is the managing partner of Dragonfly Capital. And then finally, you had Tony Sheng, who is the principal at Multicoin Capital. Again, an all-star list of investors and a phenomenal conversation that I highly recommend for you to check out. And the final one is DeFi, Money Legos or a House of Cards. Essentially talking about DeFi and is all of the composability and all of the things that are going on in the ecosystem, is it sturdy? Are we building Money Legos or are we building up a House of Cards which will eventually fail? You had Rune Kristen, who is the founder of MakerDAO. Again, Hasib Qureshi. And then you had Lev, who is a software developer and formal verification researcher. And then you had Robert, who is the founder of Compound Finance. Again, top three talks. Highly, highly recommend for you to check them out. Awesome. Yeah, uh, I guess we have one last big one. And this one, I actually checked it out a bit so I can get it started. Uh, so the SRR Summit, uh, which was another like, massive and really interesting event. Um, and, and uh, we bring this to your attention because it's also quite relevant to what we were discussing today. Um, so there was a, a fireside chat with uh, Vitalik Buterin and uh, Camila 
uh, where um, they kind of it's it's a bit macro on Ethereum. They will go over the main topics, talk about is 2.0, of course. So if you just want a good, uh, I can't remember the length, maybe 40, 60 minutes, catch up on Ethereum. That's that's a good place. Uh, and I guess the second one I want to highlight before uh, giving it back to you, Abel, is of course uh, money markets on steroids. So the talk of Stanley, uh, where he introduced. Uh, quite a lot of the ideas we discussed today. So Uniswap token set as liquidity pool, the revamp of AVI, of the LEN token and so on. So that was really like super interesting to, to see him on stage to present that. What were your favorites? Uh, well, th th those are really good. There were so many memes in the talk that uh, Stani gave from Ave. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked it. It was really, really good. Um, so definitely check that out if you guys have the chance to. Um, and then the final one I think is interesting is uh, making money Legos work with the DeFi SDK from Zerion. So again, we spoke about this in a prior episode of the podcast. I think that the Zerion team is doing phenomenal work when it comes to allowing new products to be able to integrate with all these different protocols. And they essentially outlined their thinking around this and you know speaking about all of this um, interesting stuff that they're they're implementing in the ecosystem. So yeah. That was another really, really good talk that I really enjoyed. Amazing. So you want to jump into the closing thoughts and I actually have something to share with you, but I feel a little awkward because this is a bit self-promotion. So apologize, but uh, this is, I think it's going to be interest for, interesting for, for uh, people listening. Um, so essentially I came out this week uh, with an article where I kind of laid down this idea that has been uh, maturating in my mind for a bit. Uh, and I call it the grid DeFi filter. And, and that's an obvious reference to the Fermi paradox, but you don't need to know about the paradox to understand. So what I mean by this filter, and I'm going to leave you on that because I, I have to leave you curious. As you all know, DeFi is quite technical. You need a lot of learnings before you can start to uh, essentially understand what you're doing and what the opportunities are. And so this is a form of filter by itself where, you know, a lot of people will just drop before that learning phase. Uh, most of the population will actually. Uh, so uh, that's the base of the article. And that's really like just the first paragraph. But from here, I kind of think about what does this filter mean? Is this a, lim a limitation for industry or is it actually like somehow helpful because there is a way to see it as helpful. And then uh, I consider different ways we could try to lift that filter and one thing that really got me excited, so I'm going to give you the end of the article and you figure out the middle, is um, so one of my conclusions is that, you know, everybody says UX is a massive problem. Yes, 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 it is. But my conclusion is that it's a massive problem because we have to represent to create interfaces for things that did not exist ever in the world before, for things that are radically new. And to me, the only way we solve that problem is by using design tools that were never used before, by going completely outside the box, because we have to solve a problem that doesn't fit any box to begin with. Uh, and I kind of suggest uh, a way of doing that at my personal level, uh, which is um, I, I essentially went back to a bit of my training. So I studied literature in school and I tried to have uh, a linguistic based approach to, uh, so of course I work with Monolith, so I started with the onboarding of the Monolith wallet. But the thing is this approach is actually standardized and can be replicated on any product, but even better, 
can be replicated on the same product at different stage to understand if you actually improved your onboarding or not. And this approach is really just 100% user-focused and looking only at the language and the chain of reference. And it's insane the amount of value I was able to draw from those very basic semantic linguistic tools. Uh, yeah, so I really, uh, really invite you to check this article if you're wondering about uh, adoption in DeFi, whether you're uh, a developer, a builder, or just a user and uh, someone who follows and enjoys those products. I love it. I love it. I had a read of the post as well, and I thought it was really, really good. I like the way that you framed that there's a big understanding issue. There's a big gap there. And I think changing your language around certain things is important to increase the understanding, therefore increase the adoption of these new different products and stuff like this, right? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's key, I think, you know, uh, <laughs> and like this is going to go a bit into like trader price. But, you know, at the end of the day, DeFi is also overall a big market. And the way you extract value on market is, you know, trader talk about that alpha, whatever. But the way you extract that value is by creating what we call an information asymmetry in your favor. So, you know, typically you will take a risk that others are not taking because you know precisely the nature of that risk and you're willing to stomach it or you know how to hedge it. That's a very good example of an information asymmetry leading you to like better your position on the market. So yeah, I think there is, there's always value in spending time understanding whatever your motivations are, whether it's, you know, because you're genuinely like just curious about Ethereum or even if you come at it from a trading perspective, we really don't judge. Uh, we're glad you're curious about this, whatever your motivation is really. Awesome. Awesome. So we'll definitely link everything up in the description so you can go check it out. Sticking with this kind of uh, train of thought, I know that you have a panel coming up pretty soon. So maybe you want to tell us a bit about that. Oh, yeah. Thanks for the reminder. It's definitely going to be an interesting one. So uh, and it's also a panel kind of answering a bit of my, my personal uh, explorations, questions I have right now. So um, derivatives uh, are growing quite a lot in the DeFi space. So you probably heard about options with projects like Hedgic, we mentioned already, Opin, uh, insurances with things like Nexus Mutual, uh, of course, Synthetics with uh, something like Synthetics uh, and so on. And so there's definitely a boom in that space. And I wanted to organize a discussion to just, you know, go back to the basic and, and understand really what this is, because I feel uh, that with the options, uh, we're going into a space where, uh, at least for me, where, you know, I don't have a, a financial background and it's really hard to grasp, to put grasp my head around those options and all the, the, the different, you know, intricacies of how they work, they executed, the cost and so on. So um, I think I'm not alone in this. I think a lot of people in the space don't necessarily have a lot of financial, like regular financial background. And I think, you know, there's a lot of value in organizing a discussion around this especially uh, with the panel I was able to, to bring together. I was really happy with how it turned out. So without further ado, let me introduce it and, and people will find the link in, in the podcast, I guess. So we will have no less than Mona and Lisa as the moderator of the panel. Yes, you heard correctly. And now, and for the speakers, it's literally like a founder from every, uh, a, pro a top project of every single dimension we're considering there. So for to represent the synthetics of the whole, we have simply Kane Warwick, the CEO and founder of Synthetics. So hard to do any better, I think. 
Uh, and then uh, we have Marwan, who works on Unslashed, a project on options. Uh, that is a bit less known right now, but I brought it in this panel because I think there is a, there, you're definitely going to hear more and more about them. Uh, and then the last one is a bit of an underdog for now too, but they are tackling something that can be quite massive. Uh, and the project is called uh, Vega Protocol, Vega XYZ. Uh, and that would be Barney, the, the CTO and essentially the main architect would be here to, to, to talk, to tell us about it. So yeah, I think it's going to be an amazing discussion. Uh, I just had a, a call with Mona today and I was just impressed by how much she knew about the topic already and how deep she went into her preparation and research. Uh, so yeah, uh, it's going to be a, a very high quality, potentially intense, but definitely super interesting and insightful panel. Awesome. I'm super excited for it. I've already signed up and I can't wait to be a part of that event. Awesome. Awesome. Wicked. So I guess the final kind of thought before we wrap this up um, just very quickly is that we have a very special announcement coming out really soon with Ave. I'll leave it at that. I don't want to kind of say too much here, Easy. but yeah, <laughs> get excited though. It's going to be really, really awesome news coming out very, very soon. So Thanks again for tuning in for another DeFi Weekly Catch-Up. It's been my absolute pleasure to have you on the show, Bryce. Um, thank you so much for coming. It's awesome to do it. And honestly, I've been pretty much doing it informally for the last few months with people I chat to. So now I'm so glad to have this chat with you where you helped me uh, go even a little deeper and see a girl I don't see, but then I have something recorded I can just share with people instead of <laughs> re recapping DeFi over and over again. <laughs> awesome awesome yeah um, I'm glad to be able to facilitate these conversations because I do enjoy them myself too awesome wicked so again thanks Bryce thanks for the listeners thank you guys for listening to the podcast we hope you guys enjoyed this one this was definitely fun for us to make so yeah we'll see you guys in the next one see you very soon ciao ciao see you next week <laughs>